When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Offer deadline on Oak Street, mile three. Welcome to the housing market. I'm with Redfin and I'm here to help. I need to sell my house. Great. Redfin charges a 1% listing fee when you buy and sell with us, which is more than half off the usual fee and saves you an average of $8,400. Oh, wow. Is that all? Uh, yep. I'm kidding. You had me at 1%. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Bidding war at the offer's counter in five minutes. Average savings is Redfin refund plus 1% listing fee. Subject to minimums. Not available in all areas. Learn more at redfin.com. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or closing. He's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a, a small guy. Very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson. Eddie put that night down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Perfect pick out of minute. Odyssey Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawoski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Chelios in overtime! Part of Blue Wire Podcast. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the Tays! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! Falling back, Sobola drives, gets it from The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Right center for Tays, you got to break away! Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Sins In-Law Group, let's drop the puck. Welcome back, hockey fans. Yes, we exist. We are the Madhouse <laughs> Chicago Hockey Podcast. And we, along with the Blackhawks, took a little bit of a slumber around the uh, holidays, but the Blackhawks are back on the ice, and we're back in the booth, and hopefully we have better luck than they have. I am James Tupo from NBC5, and with me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski. You know him from Odyssey. You know him from WBBM. You know him from the I'm Pet Podcast. You probably also know him as the man who creepily looks inside your windows at night. Yep. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Hey, I'm just making sure you're safe. <laughs> and listening to the podcast. If you've ever reviewed us on any platform, Jay knows where you live and he watches you. That's right. That's why those five-star reviews are so important. So I don't kill you. <laughs> anyway we're off to a rollicking start <laughs> yes we are That's 2022 it's been a while man i'm and i'm really glad we did that world junior championships preview that proved really valuable i'm glad that, that we got to do that uh, i'm sure glad that everybody invested time in listening to that because boy howdy yeah that was fun anyway thanks for joining us on the madhouse podcast 
Follow us on all of our social medias. We're on Twitter at Madhouse Pod. We're on Instagram at Madhouse underscore pod. We're on Facebook, Madhouse Hockey Pod. Uh, what else? We've got our T Public shop. That link is in our bio for some cool Madhouse and hockey influenced swag. Because that's what the kids call it these days. And uh, what else? We've got our Patreon page if you want to kick in a couple bucks. But what's really been helpful for us are those five-star Apple Podcast reviews. Send us a screenshot of those, madhousepod at gmail.com. I'll throw your name into a hat or the old internet wheel thing. That thing's really cool. You plug in all the names, you hit the spin button, and it picks out some winners. I like that. Yes, yeah, so I'm using that on the I'm Fat Pod. I do love that. It's really great. Yeah, so every month I'm going to do that for the, uh, for the listeners and send out some Madhouse Podcast swag. So make sure you send us a screenshot of your five-star review of the podcast and we will enter you to win a prize pack. We should do three or four a month, so uh, you got a good chance of winning if you send us one of those. So the Hawks lose, again, their second game in as many nights, 5-1 to one to the Calgary Flames. Um, in progress, they only gave up five goals instead of six. Yeah, probably a little bit of a misleading score. They did add an empty netter to make it 4-1, then Johnny Gaudreau scored with about a minute and a half left. Um, I, You know, man, I don't know if I'm just resigned to the fact that this is what the Hawks are. I don't know if it's just me realizing that they're just not an overly talented team, but I'm having trouble mustering a lot of anger about the last two nights. And when I, when I let's start with the Nashville game, just real quick. Cause I'm going to be honest with you. Once that game got out of hand, I watched the rest of it and fast forward. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, there was there were college bowl games on yesterday. Like, there was a lot of other stuff that was way less stressful than that. Yeah, I watched the Notre Dame game, which was very stressful. Um, and uh, then watched the Hawks on DVR. And then when it was whatever five to one, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm gonna I'll fast forward. And if I see anything that looks important, I'll watch it. Um, <laughs> that was a goaltending loss. I mean. Yeah. You know, Delia was terrible. Soderbloom came in for his NHL debut and was a lot better and got the start in this one versus Calgary. But that's one of those ones you throw out the window. This game against Calgary, I really don't think the Hawks played that bad. They just lost. Jacob Markstrom continues his incredible play this season and stops, you know, 30 of 31 Hawks shots. Now, the Hawks gave up 42 shots. That's not great. But when I watch this game as a whole, I just see that the Hawks lost to a team that's better and more talented than them. And it's hard for me to muster a ton of anger and frustration when I see that happen. No, I completely agree. And I was going over some of the numbers as we are wont to do after a uh, Blackhawks game, just to kind of see if the uh, trends kind of measure to what we were seeing with our eyes. And if you look at the story of the game in terms of the advanced metrics, it basically tracks with what we saw. The Blackhawks were probably the better team in the first period of the game. They only allowed six shots on goal. If memory serves in the first period got badly outplayed in the second period, which is where they uh, lost the game. And then the third period was a little bit more even uh, trending toward the Blackhawks just because they were down and they were trying to pile up scoring opportunities. So I think that, The advanced metrics definitely tell the story of this game pretty fairly and pretty accurately. The Blackhawks uh, were losing some physical battles tonight that I thought they shouldn't have been losing. There were exceptions to that, which I'm sure we will kind of get to as this podcast goes along. But I thought this game was essentially lost in the second period. The scoreboard bears that out. The possession numbers bear that out. 
it was a bad 20 minutes of hockey and really kind of a letdown after they had played what I thought was a really nice, solid first period, especially after a game like they had in Nashville on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it was a nice bounce back period for sure. And you said it, man. So the Hawks in the first period outshoot Calgary 11 to 6. And, you know, the shots on goal can be misleading. But I, I do think the Hawks had the edge in play in the first then the second period happens, and the Hawks are outshot 26 to 9. But the Hawks took three penalties in the span of what, like four and a half minutes? I will say that the Debrinkit penalty was bogus. Yeah. I thought that the other two were deserved, but the Debrinkit one was bogus. I will uh, I'll side with him. He was very animated and angry on the broadcast. It was kind of funny to say. Yeah, he pulled the old Jonathan Taves, the palms up 24 7. Uh, thing. I'm sorry. That's driving me crazy with Taves. He's doing it every game where something happens. He's like, what the hell? Bitching at the refs. There was an offside play in the first period. Like, it was offside. What are you yelling at the ref about? Yep. <laughs> it was a clear offside. Anyway, I digress. But yeah, when you when you take three penalties in that short of a span, that's, even if the team doesn't score, and they did, uh, but even if they don't, it gives them all the momentum, and it's so hard to get that back. You've got your best defenders out there for extended periods of time, and they're going to be gas. That's going to take its toll as the game goes on. But again, overall, you know, from, you know, opening face-off to final horn, I don't have a big problem with the effort. Again, Markstrom was fantastic. Soderblom in his first NHL start, I'm not going to blame him. I thought he played really well, all things considered. But you're playing a team with obvious playoff aspirations and potential cup aspirations, and sometimes it happens. And you mentioned... Um, guys winning some battles. And there's one guy in this game I really wanted to sort of spotlight. And as the game tonight began, I, I was thinking ahead to the podcast saying, this is someone I want to focus on. Henrik Borgstrom, who I think mm -hmm. probably had his first period today was the best I've seen, the best hockey I've seen from him, period. And I think this game in general was probably his best game. Dripped, dropped off probably a little bit is the game went on, but his first period was really strong and not just offensively. There were a couple plays like scrums in front of the net where he was able to tie up the defender and keep them from putting shots on goal. I was really happy with Henrik Borgstrom's game. I'm trying to think when I watch him play who he, he reminds me of like skating style wise, does he have a little bit of Artem Anisimov in him for you? I know Anisimov is bigger and thicker than he is, but yeah, I see a certainly. similar kind of, skating stride and skating style from him well Borkstrom is six foot three it's not like he's a super small guy but I I always envisioned Anisimov as kind of just the brick wall in the middle of the ice when he would play and he had some offensive upside too otherwise you weren't playing with Patrick Kane I mean that's uh generally kind of the rule with him but there Borkstrom was tonight and I think that Derek King probably has seen what you've seen from Borgstrom recently, which is why he began the game and started skating with Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinkett. That line had some incredibly good possession numbers tonight. I thought that Borgstrom, uh, really solid, both ends of the ice. Yeah, he did lose two. He lost five of seven faceoffs tonight, I think it was, but doing a really nice job of kind of facilitating on that line and doing a lot of little things to justify his inclusion between those two really good offensive players. I definitely have been paying attention to him recently. He has points now in the Blackhawks last three games. I think he has something like eight or nine shots on goal in those games. He's definitely doing a good job of kind of creating some offense and also just putting the puck on the net, which is 
essentially what you want that guy between Kane and Debrinkitz do. You want him to get the puck to them, but you also want him to be a threat so that teams don't just completely ignore him. And I think that he's fit that bill really well, and I've really liked him in that position. That line dominated in possession. Borgstrom led the Hawks, looking at Corsi's 71.43%, 75% Fenwick for Borgstrom. That's obviously the team lead. Uh, second on that list was Seth Jones in both categories, 69-44, Corsi, 65 He had a couple 22. of really good stick plays tonight, by the way. Yes, Seth he Jones did. did. And then Kane, DeHaan, and Debrinkit. So there's your top five, Borgstrom, Jones, Kane, DeHaan, Debrinkit. So that top line of Borgstrom, Kane, and Debrinkit uh, carried the weight. And it, it's sometimes rare to see a Patrick Kane line dominate in possession. They, they usually sort of play for the one-and-done kind of opportunities, but we saw a lot of sustained zone time from that line. Patrick mm-hmm. Kane hits two posts in one shift. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. just one of those nights, man. But it's good to see. And as we've talked a lot about Kirby Doc this year, you know, getting opportunities with the top-line guys, Borgstrom, sort of unlike Doc, to be honest, has taken advantage of this. And he's, no, he's not filling the back of the net or anything, but he was noticeable and he looked like he belonged in that role. Is he an ideal number one center? Absolutely not. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here, but for the last couple of games, which is really all we had to talk about for the last half of a month, I really like the way that Borgstrom has played and I want to see him get an extended look on that line and just see, you know, as he gets into a rhythm and he starts to find chemistry with those two, what that line can become. And I did like that Derek King did not panic and shuffle up the lines a whole bunch going into tonight's game. I know the temptation would be there to do that after a 6-1 drubbing, but I think that he probably wasn't overly angry about the effort level in Nashville, like you had mentioned earlier, probably pegged it as a goaltending loss, and he kept those top three lines intact tonight. And I did think that that was the right call. I thought that especially that top line of Borgstrom centering Debrinkit and Kane needs to stay together to try to get some cohesiveness. I'd like to see what he's able to do uh, in that situation. And he's going to have uh, a really uh, important test coming up here in the Blackhawks next game. So I think that it was smart of Derek King to keep that group together. And I know a lot of folks are going to be wanting to make some pretty significant changes after getting outscored 11 to two, the last two games. But I think that that's probably one line that you're not going to want to mess with right now. One of the lines too, and, and there was a change made uh, sort of midway through the game. You had Taves, Hagel and Strom. And then as the game went on, uh, Kara jumped into Strom's role on that line. Um, Man, tough game for Hagel, just getting his ass kicked a lot. I guess Dude, you, yeah. You sort of goodness. Yeah, you play that style and you're gonna have those games like that. But I don't he didn't play bad by any means, but just physically sort of getting beat up uh in this one. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I I'm I'm the Dylan Strom thing remains a mystery for me. In the first period, he was on the ice with Taves and Hagel, and that team that line was generating chances, and then for whatever reason, as the game goes on. Derek King gets frustrated with Dylan Strom and Dylan Strom finds himself on the fourth line um, and not really much of a factor in this game at all. Had the worst Corsi on the team tonight. And 10.57 at even strength. Uh, the only player with, uh, few, there's only two players with less ice time than that. Curtis Gabriel, remember him? And uh, <laughs> no. Oh, that's a that's a dig. I DM'd Jay during the game and said, thing I just remembered, Curtis Gabriel is a black hawk. Look, I don't think you're alone with that. They showed him pregame, like leaning. I'm like, who's number 79? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that guy they got from Toronto. 
<laughs> to, to punch people, apparently, but he hasn't punched Is he punched your favorite number yet. 79 in Blackhawks history? Has there been another? I don't think so. I Dip, look sorry, continue now. your thought, and I'll look that up. No, I just, you know, it's the weird thing with, with Dylan Strome, where it just he can't stick, and it, it's just, I don't know. It's For me, it's frustrating. I, I'm not the coach. Now you've had three coaches in a row not in love with him. Right, that yeah. he, he sort of falls out of favor quickly. So there's got to be something to it. Remember, we reported a couple weeks ago. One of my sources in the team said that his work ethic is a problem. Um, okay, I still think he's one of your best nine forwards. Um, I don't know. I just it's frustrating, but I'm not. I'm. I, I like Jujar Kara. I just want to see Taves playing with someone with a little more skill than him. I don't know. I, I just well, wish. Well, that, what are the other options on the team right now? Well, keeping Strom there. I suppose, but I mean, if he's not earning that shot, then why continue to push that? I just, as I watched the first period today, I thought he had played well enough to keep the spot where he was at. But again, there's things off the puck that I'm not seeing, right? We're watching the game on TV. We don't have the yeah. the video coach and the all the angles that the coaches have. And they, you know, they're obviously on the bench. They can see everything that's happening everywhere. So there's probably stuff we're not seeing or noticing because our eye naturally yep. takes us to the puck or the puck carrier. Um, sure. I just, I just noticed in the first period that that line was making some noise and generating some offense. And then all of a sudden the line is no more. And Jujar Kara is put there. And then that effectively, again, like that effectively eliminates that line from being much offensively. Yeah, it does. It definitely turns it into more of a uh, defensive line. Uh, certainly we should mention, we haven't uh, come back on air so to speak since Jujar Kara came back can you believe he's already back in the lineup after the hit that he took no when they when they said he was close to getting activated my jaw almost hit the floor I could not believe how quickly he recovered from that and I thought the two games he's played I thought he's looked good what's funny too is with the time off how many actual games did he miss like, that, that's not, a good question maybe it's not many four three or four and that, yeah, and I was I was having the same thought about Mark Andre Fleury when he got put on the COVID list. He only missed one game, right? I mean, it, that, it's so <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, he got hurt on the seventh of uh, December against the Rangers. And if your I believe your math is correct, I think he only missed. Oh, he actually missed a few more games than we thought. He ended up missing, it looks like, six games. Or Let's five see. games, sorry. One, two, three. Yeah, five games. But yeah, still. Mon- Montreal, Toronto, Washington, Nashville, and Dallas. When we saw that hit, we were thinking, will this guy ever play again? Will he be back this season at all? Uh, so for him to only miss those games is pretty incredible. Um, yeah. that's It's good to see him back. I really, I, I like him. You know, I just I like the way he plays. He's he's I like the type of player he is. Yeah, the kind of guy that needs to be that every team needs, right? Uh, that I just don't think we need mm-hmm. five of him. Um, that's a topic for another show. I don't know someday. what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, want to tell everybody about our buddy Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases, as an assistant Cook County State's Attorney, Kent opened his own firm over twenty years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases. So if you're injured because of someone else's negligence, Kent Sinson is the guy to call. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. Sinson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. So call Kent for a free consultation, 
332-2107 or visit simpsonlawgroup.com. Don't go off sides, go top shelf. Call now and it's not Simpson like Bart Simpson. It's Simpson, S-I-N-S-O-N, lawgroup.com. A lot of people still commenting on the podcast we had with him uh, wrapping up the Kyle Beach situation uh, a couple weeks ago. So go back and give that a listen if you've not. Kent has been a great resource for us and will continue to be. We are very proud to be associated with him. Awesome Hawks fan, hockey player, uh, all-around good dude. Uh, so if you need legal help, call Kent Simpson, 312-332-2107. The other guy I want to talk to talk to you about, James, was Arvid Soderblom, who got his first NHL start uh, in this one. I, I liked his game. I thought for a guy playing his first NHL game, I really enjoyed his stick work. He was not shy about uh, you know breaking up passes through the slot or adv- putting a puck behind the net with his stick. I thought his use of his stick was really solid. Made a really nice glove save uh, on, um, my God, what's the guy's name who's been on the Flames forever? Backland had a breakaway. Beautiful glove save there. Uh, he had the save on the penalty shot which was excellent too. Uh, overall for a guy who gave up, you know, four goals, I think he had a he had a pretty solid NHL start and you could sort of see why he catapulted Colin Delia and Malcolm Suman who's now with the Buffalo Sabres in the Blackhawks organizational depth chart. Uh looks looks pretty solid and I I know we'll see more of him as the season goes on um cuz you know, COVID is still around. Um, but hey, good to see a, a, a guy the Hawks signed. Lankinen's still on that COVID list. Yes, he is. Um, so I don't know. I, I was impressed with his with his debut. How about you? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely thought that his first career start. I thought that he withstood the barrage pretty well in the second period. I don't know if you can necessarily put any of the goals that he gave up squarely on him. The, the Flames did generate a good number of high-danger chances in that second period. Uh, I think I looked at uh, the good old folks at Natural Stat Trick. They did generate three high-danger chances in that period. They were all over the place. Um, I thought that he did a good job, like you had mentioned, of really using his stick to kind of break up cross-ice passes. I thought there were a couple instances that he maybe almost caused an issue. There was one pass that he absolutely fired because I don't think he realized Seth Jones was standing right behind him. And Seth Jones still managed to corral the puck, which I thought was a really uh, interesting feat of athleticism. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I definitely can see there is – there's some flashes of a really strong goaltender in there. And I know that we've been very spoiled in Chicago in recent years by the guys who seemingly come out of nowhere and are able to play a goaltender at a really high level. I'm talking about your auntie Ranta's your uh, Kevin Lankinen's, those types of guys and uh, auntie Niemi for sure. And I, I'm not going to of course put Soderblom in that group. I mean, he's played one and a half games or sorry, more accurately one and two thirds games. Uh, with the Blackhawks, but I think there was a reason that they were so quick when Flurry came back to send Delia back down. I I don't know if Colin Delia is going to get another shot to stick in the NHL, but it seems like they are very content with Flurry and Lankinen as the two goaltenders here, and I think they are seemingly really high on Soder, Soderblom, and you definitely could tell some of the reason why tonight. I think that his athleticism is really interesting, very aggressive goaltender. He's going to have to 
probably curtail that a little bit in order to be consistent at the NHL level because I know a lot of guys will try to take advantage of that. But I really hope they don't kind of coach those instincts out of him, and they certainly are not going to coach the uh, athleticism out of him. I definitely thought that it spoke very highly of what, or very accurately of what the Blackhawks seem to think of him. And remember, the Hawks have Team USA's uh, junior goalie, Drew Camesso, in their system as well. So all of a sudden, the Hawks' future in goal doesn't look as itchy as it did a while ago. Um, but I want to see Mark Andre Fleury again. As much as I like Soder Bloom, <laughs> please put Flurry back in. I, I'm I'm still shell shocked from the Nashville game where it was like, oh, a minute two in, Hawks are losing, and it felt like every shot Nashville had went in. Oh man, to to play in a situation like that has to be so frustrating as a player, and you don't want to. You obviously can't actively like turn around and lecture your goalie. You know what I mean? You're the one who gave sure. up the scoring chance or whatever. But but God, stop something. Please stop something <laughs> at yeah. some point. It's just, it's really, that's why that game, I was just very easy to just throw out the window for me. Like, all right, I see what I need to see. I don't need to watch this entire thing uh, because once it gets to that level, it's kind of pointless to waste your time on it. Um, yeah. It was just very frustrating to watch. And I'm, I'm very happy that Marc-Andre Fleury is back and healthy and ready to play, hopefully. So well, yeah, hopefully he'll be, uh, back and ready for him on Tuesday because they are playing the not quite world beating, but still frankly terrifying Colorado avalanche. Yeah. Um, they're always terrifying. going to be scary. Yes. Always. It's just, the, you will see as we talk about the Hawks, not having the talent to match up with Calgary, you're going to see the Colorado afterburners um, and the Hawks just in their dust for a lot of the game. And hopefully uh flurry can, feel healthy enough and feel good enough to keep them in that game. Cause I, I just feel like every time the Hawks play Colorado, it just is chaotic. It just is really hard to watch. Cause they're just so outclassed. And I know Colorado has not been what a lot of people expected them to be standings wise, but to me still. And what, yet they're still right there. They're it, still, yeah. I think they're five points behind the blues, but they played five fewer games. Yeah. They're going to be in there. And when the playoffs begin, they will be scary. Um, as they are every year. So, yeah. all right. We, one thing happened this weekend that was pretty cool, regardless of the score. Uh, the Winter Classic happened. And if you missed it, uh, it was pretty comical. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. We'll fill you in on all the details here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski here in Homewood. James Naveau out there in Kankakee. I want to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com. If you're listening to this Chicago Blackhawks-based podcast, chances are you live in the Chicagoland area. And chances are if you live in the Chicagoland area, you're very close to a Fry the Coop. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, West Town, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. You're pretty well covered if you are in the Chicagoland area. So go try some of the best damn Nashville hot chicken you've ever had. The tenders, the chicken sandwich, the donut chicken sandwich, the chicken and waffles. Everything at Fry the Coop is fantastic. You're going to want to go try it as soon as you can. We continually get messages from people on Twitter, on Instagram. Hey, finally tried Fry the Coop. Thanks for the recommendation. Yeah, we've been telling you. Go visit Fry the Coop. Go to frythecoop.com. Check out their menus. You can place your order online or you can go dine in if you're 
willing to do that <laughs> in this day and yeah. age. Go nuts. Um, but you're going to love it. It's the best hot chicken you'll ever have. I guarantee it. And uh, look, anytime you visit one of our sponsors, be it Kent Simpson, be it Triple Threat Sports, be it Fry the Coop, make sure you let them know that you heard about them on the Madhouse podcast. That's very, very helpful. So yesterday, James, uh, was the Winter Classic, the annual Winter Classic in Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Wild and the Blues. Uh, the fun thing for me, because I wasn't there, was that the game was like 15 below zero. <laughs> the coldest yep, Winter Classic on record. That was ridiculous. It was. It certainly was. I was cold watching it. <laughs> You had guys with frozen beards. You had all sorts of shenanigans going on. A very strange game. The Blues just exploded offensively in the second period. They scored five goals in the second period of this game. I thought they would have been too busy huddled up around heaters, and instead they were out there basically scoring goals at will. It was a really a wild atmosphere. It was a really fun showcase of what makes Minnesota hockey unique. And the game ended up kind of living up to that in the closing minutes. Old friend Ryan Hartman scored a goal this 15th of the season. Crazy. And Kevin Fiala scored a goal as well to make it a two goal game. Just, it was crazy, man. It was a good time. I enjoyed it a lot. And I kind of, I'm interested to hear what you thought of the television presentation of it, since this is the first time that a network other than NBC has broadcast the game. Um, I, you know, I think it was fine. TNT is doing a fine job. I don't think they're reinventing the wheel. I don't know if you have to reinvent the wheel. Um, my one complaint, and this is the complaint that a lot of people had about the broadcast is they're revealing the USA women's hockey team during intermission. All well, almost all the team is there, but they're, they're commentating over the announcement of the team. So as the women are being introduced and waving to the crowd, you can't hear the stadium announcer. They're not putting names under the players. They're just showing these women waving, you know, and like a lot of hockey fans know who Hillary Knight is. And, and um, you know, some of the more uh, famous Amanda Kessel and, and uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield, like all the all the sort of the household name USA women's players, people can recognize them for the most part. But this was yeah. a moment to give them that time. Put the, put the PA announcer on the broadcast, put names underneath the women who are waving and celebrating being named to this team. It's a cool moment that he just sort of chose to talk over. I didn't really understand that whole decision. I, so for me, broadcast mm -hmm. overall is fine. Like Kenny Albert, great, does a good job. I just, I really think they missed the mark when they had that opportunity to showcase the women's Olympic team and, and, let them get their kudos and they just chose to sort of talk over it and show it in the background. I think that was a huge mistake. Yeah. I, I hate being cynical, but I do want to bring this up. Remember that NBC does carry the Olympics. And so they kind of have a vested interest in kind of pumping up the interest in the Olympics. And TNT is of course not the rights holder for that. I hope that's not why they chose to do it the way they did, because it was just really bad optics, really disappointing for, I'm sure, a lot of the families of the women who did make the roster that they were kind of glossed over like that. It was just a huge bummer all around and what really should have been a celebration of this amazing American team that's going to be going to Beijing. It's kind of turned into a farce and it was really disappointing. Yeah, big disappointment, big missed opportunity. Um, and I, I really hope that what you said there about it being a rights issue 
is not true because look in the short term maybe NBC getting ratings for hockey is bad for them but hockey growing is a good thing for TNT and uh, they should do everything they can to lean in and help grow the game and I think that was an opportunity that they passed up on for very very strange reasons it just seemed I don't know it just seemed really tone deaf and look people make mistakes and bad decisions are made as producers I've done it <laughs> right it's just uh it's unfortunate and hopefully they learn from it and, and do the right thing next time but that's going to do it for this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast thank you so much for joining us Hawks play on Tuesday perhaps a post game we'll see how things go but well we're back we're back around if you want to email us hit us up madhousepod at gmail.com we should get, spend a little more time on emails james as the season goes on here uh want to get some of the listener input on the show as well so make sure you send those in if you have a question and we'll do our best to get them answered so for my partner james devoe i'm jay zawoski this has been the madhouse chicago hockey podcast the madhouse chicago hockey podcast was brought to you by fry the coop triple threat sports and by the sits in law group i'm amira rose davis historian and co-host of the sports podcast burn it all down and now i'm hosting the new season of american prodigy all about black girls in gymnastics for the last 40 years black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way now they tell their stories you'll meet trailblazers like diane durham superstars like jordan childs and everyone in between listen to american prodigies on apple podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts